Welcome to Talking Volleyball. I'm Steve Hammond. BJ Leroy and I talk to coaches, players, and others who have a love for the game. Sarah Lippett of Dig and Swing Podcast and CAP3 Certified Coach joins us to talk about youth volleyball. We talk about tough coaches, coaching younger players versus high school players, and we covered a lot of questions about coaching biases, player and parent expectations, and how to make the sport fun. Check it out. All right. Well, for those of you who can actually watch this, which is hardly any of you, welcome. We're at, uh, we have Sarah Lippett and BJ Leroy with us today, and we're going to talk volleyball for about a half hour, 45 minutes or so. Uh, apologize for the technical difficulties, uh, learning curve stuff. But uh, I'm going to have BJ and Sarah chat a little bit while I put, post this out to Facebook and we can uh, go from there. Yeah, awesome. Sounds so, great. Um, Sarah uh, and, and I met through obviously our, our Facebook group, um, Volleyball Coaches and Trainers. I had the good fortune of working with Sarah in Albuquerque, no, in yeah, yeah, in Albuquerque, um, uh-huh. with Tony Manzanetas at uh, Toby, Toby, um, at, at uh, Rio Rancho High School, and we all went down there for a for a weekend um, and uh, and worked there and met Toby's family and had a great time, um, and then uh, Sarah is also a USA Volleyball Cap 3 person. I reviewed her uh, her proposal for Cap, and then she has a podcast, Dig and Swing, which um, I've been lucky enough to also be on. Um, and her um, emphasis is most, mostly in youth, which I'll let her talk about um, and let her introduce herself before I start asking questions. So welcome, welcome, Sarah. I'm so excited. I'm on the other side of things now. So that's, uh, that's usually a little terrifying. But uh, yeah, I, my podcast is a little bit on hold right now. I'm, I got a lot going on uh, with schoolwork, you know, important things like school um, and a promotion, hopefully. So uh, things are on hold right now, but it's still really valuable content and I'm hoping I can get back to it pretty soon. Um, But yeah, so I started that podcast for CAP3. Uh, I think I was probably one of the last people to get a CAP3 certified, uh, to get certified because I think about a week after I got approved, uh, they shut down USA education, which makes me very sad. So uh, but yeah, so I, um, my roots are back in Chicago. I grew up on the South side of Chicago, uh, played club volleyball, uh, for this little uh, club called South side volleyball club. <laughs> and my volleyball coach, um, you know, was very knowledgeable, but very, very tough. Um, I mean, we were beating, we were beating Spry's like fours team, which makes me really happy and pretty proud for this little rinky dink South side team, you know, practicing out of Bogan high school. Um, so did a little bit of that. And then uh, I've been coaching club pretty much after college. Uh, I used to think that I'd never had the patience for anybody younger than eighth grade. And I only did high school kids and um, had this little moment where I'm like, you know, I think I want to branch out because I'm tired of just the high school 
mentality in the high school, uh, the drama that comes with coaching high school girls. And I really was like, I just need a mental break. So I took on a 13s team and completely outside of my comfort zone. Um, and I think that is what that doing that made me really appreciate that age group. And I decided I never wanted to coach high school kids ever again. I loved the energy. I loved the enthusiasm to learn. I loved um, just their pureness. And, it, you know, just I, I find that a lot of kids, you know, going from that 14s to 15s year, um, we were losing kids in our club because they just started to hate the sport a little bit. Um, or I'd say not in our club, but in general, people would just, you know, club hop because they didn't like their experience as a seventh and eighth grader, which is really sad because it should be tons of fun. They, they, are, they should be learning really good foundations, but that doesn't mean that you can't have fun with it. And I think being in, in a club environment where it was very strict and lots of running and punishments and, you know, drilling the heck out of us, um, I never realized how much I hated that. And uh, until I started coaching the 13s and realizing the big discrepancy between the two. Um, and I, my thing is that I just want the kids to, I want them to come back. I want them to find joy. And one of the things that I love in the the coaching, I think it's the coaching mantra that USA Volleyball had, it has this like whole list of things. And the number one thing that I take from that is never be a kid's last coach. Um, especially at my age group that I coach, I, that's the, I just probably, I mean, my number one goal is to make sure that even if they don't come back to my club or they don't come back to me, that they still continue to play. And I think almost everybody I've coached has come back, um, it, which is just awesome. And it means a lot. Um, so I, yeah, I've been focusing strictly on, uh, seventh and eighth grade right now, which I love, um, I've also been doing um, some little, even younger kids. We started getting some 10-year-olds and 8-year-olds and some of the stuff I've been running, which has been even more of a challenge because, wow, that is way harder than even the 7th and 8th graders. Um, their attention spans are like goldfish, but they love it even more. And so that's it's been nice. I, I just love being challenged every time. I, I, love, I love a good challenge, and it's made me so much better of a coach and, and better prepared to handle some of the high school stuff that happens as a, as a fellow coach and colleague, not necessarily as a coach for the kids, um, because that's what we're coaching. We're coaching kids, you know, they got tons of volleyball left in them. And I always tell them that they have, you know, there's a master's level 70 and over for, um, for USA volleyball adult open. So there's always, you are going to play the sport for as long as you want to. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, I, that's, that's kind of like my summary of, uh, of what I'm doing and, and my passions. Um, my other thing that I, I really, I am big advocate for is accessibility to club volleyball. Uh, financially, it was something that I struggled with, uh, and my coach and club were very supportive and very helpful. And, um, you know, especially coming from the South side of Chicago where we don't have a lot of money over there and, um, having that ability to play, whether it was for a severe discount or exchange of, uh, you know, me helping out with stuff in, in exchange for my tuition was really helpful. And so one of the things that my club coach said was, I never want money to be a reason why a kid can't play. And I follow that as well. So, you know, if the kids go to a Title I school or if they have circumstances, um, you know, I might cut them a break a little bit and, you know, maybe charge them a little less or, uh, you know, let them 
pay me later or something. Um, cause I really don't want money to be that reason. So those are my two big things that I, you know, as a coach are my, my main focuses. So. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit more about what your club experience was like. I mean, and obviously Steve and I, not obviously, but neither of us played uh, club volleyball as adolescents for sure. Um, you know, when did you start playing? What was it like going through tryouts and, you know, and, and then just your general experience in, in club, um, I know you've said you loved volleyball, didn't love uh, how things were going. So just just describe what that was kind of like for you. I think this is the perfect precursor to you coach the way you were coached because I used to coach like I was coached. So I started club volleyball, you know, in, in the Midwest, people start club really young. Um, you know, I was introduced to the sport. I started playing when I was in the fourth grade. And one of my friends said, Hey, I'm playing in this club thing. And I think I was in the sixth grade and uh, I'm like, okay. And not realizing that there's a cost to it and, and all that other stuff. I'd say probably my experience, I, you know, compared to how tryouts are now at a larger club, ours were pretty, you know, it was, we didn't really make cuts because we wanted kids to play. Um, you know, they, they made enough teams that we could have as coaches. Um, I think maybe we had like four or five teams across all the different age groups. So the tryout process was more just, okay, which team are you on? A one's team or a two's team? And which was, it's not as nerve wracking. I did go to another club tryout, um, as well at the same time, because my friend wanted to play for Lions Volleyball Club. And so I went with her just as she had a buddy and that one was way different. That was way more competitive. They were doing like jump breaches, touches and measurements and all this other stuff and very structured. And, you know, you could tell that it just felt like, you know, you were a factory. I just felt like another number on a, you know, on a t-shirt, which didn't really feel that great. Um, the other one was definitely more of a family because, you know, everybody that was playing, that was trying out for the the South side team was coming from a family of, you know, working low middle income family, working class families, and just making sure that the kids have an opportunity to play the sport. So uh, my tryout experience for them was much more relaxed and it was more of just a matter of team placement, which I think is pretty good. It shouldn't be this nerve wracking. How high can you touch unless you're playing for some crazy elite club that you're, you know, basically a factory into going to division one volleyball. Um, and that's, if that's what they really care about, great. But mine was definitely relaxed. Um, and my experience was, you know, my club coach was, and if he's watching, I'm sorry, I do love you, but you kind of were a jerk. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he was, a, he, he was, or is a Chicago cop, uh, you know, working in not the greatest neighborhoods. And you can imagine his personality and how he talked to people. He didn't care if you were a kid or an adult, um, you know, and so it was really tough being in that and, and, and not really realizing how wrong it was until when I was in high school, like to be called the things I was called and realizing that I was just a kid and, you know, going through a lot at home with uh, my mom being really sick. So, but I really liked the structure of it. And I learned a lot about reading the game from him. And he even told me, you know, 
I was offended at the time, but he was right, you know, that I would always end up being a better coach than a player um, because I had a real knack for knowing what was going to happen. And maybe I couldn't technically execute it the best, but I was in the right place at the right time. I understood why we were playing the defense that we were. And I was chasing down balls left and right. And I just had a really good understanding of the game uh, pretty quickly. Um, and, you know, we were playing at a time when uh, uh, sports performance was still in USA Volleyball and they had their big uh, place out in West Chicago. And I was playing out there pretty much every weekend, every other weekend. We were playing, you know, we were hanging. We were in um, the top few courts for most of my 16s year. Um, and it's, you know, my, my club, my club coach was just like, you know, wanted to beat them so bad because he's like, these kids play four times, you know, they have practice four times a week. They do strength training. They're forced to miss their proms and homecomings. And we're this little team on the South side of Chicago with two hour practices twice a week, if we're lucky and we want, I want to beat them. I want to show them. It doesn't matter that you have all this awesome stuff that we can beat them. And we're not going to beat their ones team. Cause you know, when you have some of the best players showing up to one club, of course, you're going to have a really good, um, you know, a really good ones team. But the fact that we were beating, you know, their threes, fours, fives team. I mean, that's pretty impressive for uh, for even, you know, their level of, of play for us to beat them. Um, and, you know, we were just this, you know, the, we were completely out of place in the club volleyball world. You could tell that we were just we didn't belong necessarily um, with those kids, you know, the, the kids of affluence and the ability to pay for really nice uniforms. We had t-shirts and, you know, everybody wore whatever knee pads they could. We didn't have matching stuff. Um, so it was very humbling to, to, to realize, you know, to think about how you don't need to have all these nice things to be a part of a really good club. Cause I think that's what sometimes kids look for. They look for a club that has really nice uniforms and they look nice and what's the swag you get. And I was lucky if I got a jacket. Um, and we went to one qualifier back when Tampa used to have a qualifier back in, I don't even remember when it was the mid late nineties, um, early two thousands and went to Tampa for a qualifier. And I remember we beat one of sports performance teams. I think we were in the gold bracket. I mean, we did not belong in the gold bracket, but if you looked at us on paper, but we had so much heart and, you know, had this opportunity to play against really good teams. And I, I think that it was a matter of like our skill. It was just that we were relentless. We were, we did not care who you were on the other side. We wanted to beat you so bad because we had this sense of pride of, yeah, we're this little team playing at Bogan high school is going to beat you that, that we just had so much pride. Um, so that was my club experience. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I actually didn't play my junior and senior year in high school cause I didn't like the coach. And so I took a break and just focused on club volleyball only. And, you know, I knew that I wasn't going to play division one volleyball. I knew that, um, I started battling a shoulder injury and I was lucky if I was even going to get recruited by JUCO, uh, which I did, but I cared more about my education and I had a scholarship to Loyola. So I was like, eh, I'll just, I'll just stick with, um, playing over at Loyola and played club volleyball at Loyola. And again, you know, we're playing against some of the big 10 club teams, which is, kids that could probably play on a D1 roster if there were enough spots and teams. Um, and so again, like this, you know, I had this fight to just prove that it doesn't matter that I'm not, not playing for, you know, Wisconsin's D1 team. It doesn't matter because my little Loyola team is going to beat you. And uh, that was kind of, that was my history of volleyball. Like that was, it was, 
I think it was probably one of the most humbling experiences and completely different than what I experience as a coach in the club world right now, which is, you know, good that they don't have coaches that are screaming at them or hopefully not screaming at them. Um, but I, I think that the, the things that we cared about when I was playing are completely different than the things that kids care about now or families care about right now. So sorry no, for going on such a long diagram. <laughs> I, I get Loyola's we, gym is neat. We were in their uh, preseason this year, mm-hmm. and uh, it, was a, it was a cool little campus, cool place to play. We yeah, have a question. Oh, no, not Go Dan. Ahead. Yeah. And uh, I, I, let me ask you, because um, I'm still learning what you see on this platform. Do you see the comments that are coming in, or um, do you have an option to do that? Okay, so... Um, so yeah, that way I won't prompt you. You'll be able to see them too, but this is a great question that kind of lines up with, with, uh, you know, I, as a, as a former player, I don't have to worry about it. I was, I played some men's B level club when in, in my late twenties, early thirties and, and then played rec mostly after that. Um, but I am playing again, which I had taken about 10 years off. It's pretty ugly. Although somebody said you're fast the other day, and I said, "Oh, that's that's very kind." <laughs> um, I, 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 but it, I think it was the one difference was I'm playing on a team. It's a very wrecked team with you know brand new play. It's just like really basic ball, but we're, we we work at it. And I think it's more that they that I they see me as fast. I'm anticipating things that they don't see yet. Because, you know, when you play old guy volleyball, you see a lot of crap and you know what to do with it. Um, so, uh, but it's uh, that sort of thing. But um, how do you fight the, the biases um, that, you, you know, the, the kind of the concept of you play like you, you, you coach like you were, you were coached? Yeah. When I love I that smirk coaching, on Dan's face and his little picture, but I'll let, I'll let oh, Sarah know, answer right? this. It's a, that's, a great, that's a great look. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I know for me, I, I, you know, I didn't know any different, um, especially, you know, playing for one club my entire life and having the coach that I had, I just assumed that's how you coach. I had no idea. Um, and honestly it was the, uh, you know, that I ended up doing it and I feel terrible for the kids that, you know, I was screaming at left and right. I wasn't as harsh as him. Um, I didn't use the same colorful language as he did, but, you know, I thought that doing one, you know, one person pitch rolls was totally fine and trying to, you know, hit the ball as hard as you can. That was, that's what you're supposed to do and making kids, you know, do all these physical things that, you know, I just, I thought that's what you do. And I have a hunger for learning. I love learning. I seriously, someone find a job where I'm just in school all day and I take tests and you pay me, I'll do it. That's my, that's what I would love to do. I just love learning. And, um, I went to a cap one, uh, my work or the club I was playing for or coaching for in Virginia, uh, when we were stationed out there was paying for everybody to get cap one. So I went ahead and did cap one and I go, Oh, well, that makes more sense. Why would I do it this way? And so then I just, it got me hooked. And I think that, again, this is a really good reason why, you know, the, the cap, program and and education is so important because you could, I could have been like that my entire coaching career and wouldn't have known any better. You know, it may have taken me even longer. Who knows how many teams I could have ruined, you know, if I just continued down that path and kept one really just completely changed my outlook on how to coach. And, um, you know, I, I was hungry for more and that's, you know, that's how I fought those biases. It was just 
learning and listening, not just to people that, you know, I agreed with, um, you know, as I started to kind of turn the curve, but also listening to people that don't agree with me and, and thinking about, you know, I, I kind of, I take everything. So even if, you know, somebody posts some drill and, you know, I think that it's not uh, the way that Alexis Levadu refers to it as uh, the most efficient use of your time. Um, you know, maybe part of that drill is a good idea of a spin on another drill. And so I take I listen to these things. I, I take things that I think are applicable or maybe a different spin on it and then just apply it to my stuff. So, um, you know, that's, I think that the the education part is really what completely flipped my bias. And now I'm just, you know, I, I'm all about making sure that kids love the game because when kids are happy on the court and feel good and confident, they play better. So you, you don't have as many meltdowns. And that was one of the reasons why I hated coaching for a while was I hated all of the kids just having these mental breakdowns on the court. I'm like, what is going on? I don't understand. I didn't realize I was part of the problem, you know, aside from their own, you know, pressures at home to, to excel. So, uh, you know, it was, I, I wish, you know, yeah, and I wish that they had that education piece still, but, um, you know, now I just do it on, on the, the Facebook group or I help out, you know, a fellow coach and, you know, give them some feedback and some ideas for drills or, you know, just be a little snarky on the Facebook group uh, with my comments. But otherwise, yeah, that was what really helped me was a better education. Do you remember who your teachers were at that first cap one that you took? Uh, I, yeah, I had Cecile. Uh, that was my number one. I remember. I don't remember if John was there, John Kessel, but I know for a fact Cecile was there. And when I saw her at cap three, cause I think she was also at cap two. Um, I did that one in Seattle and, uh, but I will never forget. I, I, I saw a cap, I uh, saw Cecile at cap three and I was like, you were my cap one coach back in, you know, whenever it was like 2012, um, and completely changed my life. And I actually, now that I'm thinking about, it, I think John Kessel wasn't it, but yeah, it was, uh, I don't remember all of them, but that was my most, um, the most memorable. She's awesome. I, I, I have a couple of great stories about her. She bailed me out of a, a couple of bad situations. <laughs> One might have included locking my keys in the in the chauffeur car that I was driving for her. Um, uh, yeah, she is. She's incredible. Um, Steve, do you remember your first cap? You know, uh, as coaches? you said that, I was just thinking back and going, "Man, I'm drawing a darn blank." Um, you know, it was. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, it was a, it was a while ago, and I'm getting old, so there's that. But uh, but I, <laughs> okay. but my my memory for people is really terrible. That's one of the things I have a little app on my phone. When I start my year with my my kids, I take a picture of them. We have this little attendance app that a teacher designed. It's great, um, and uh, you know I just use that to work on names and faces and that. And for something that's just a limitation. So I've, I've developed some coping skills. Um, I remember it was, a, it was at A5 down in Atlanta, uh, and that was, I think it was before I, no, I'm trying to think. I guess we, we had been in Atlanta. I guess I was going back to Atlanta because I, I, we left there, and, um, uh, but when I saw it was down there, I thought, well, I can visit some family in the area. Uh, and for me, the memorable ones were Cap 2 and 3. 2 was at the... the, the training center in Colorado Springs, which is a, you know, if you ever get a chance to do it, which we can't anymore, but if you ever get a chance to visit there, it's, 
It's a heck of a place. And we were three to a dorm room and it was just, you know, it's where the, the, the most memorable part of that one was the discussion of out of system systems. It was like, yeah, why are we doing, you know, and it, it goes all the way back to what you'll hear John say every time he runs a clinic. It's, you know, we're out of system at least half the time. And in my case, probably 70, 80% of the time. Uh, and, you know, it's one of those things where that came into play. And then CAP3, um, you know, was was a lot of fun. Um, uh, Doug Beal was there, um, Sue Gazansky. Uh, you were there, I think, BJ, right? Uh, I think. Yeah, I was. I was training to be a teacher at that uh, at that Cap Three that you were at. So that was okay. a, a real treat for me. Um, yeah, and Marwan uh, was there. Neville was there, and Marwan, and yeah, it was. Eric Marwan's was there too. Re- Eric. Marwan's revelation for me was he finally gave me a good, a, 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 some good reasons for right foot forward when you pass if you choose to do it and how it might be advantageous. And but more importantly, the the idea that you know um, use it kind of relates to last week's discussion about um, you know the pre pre point communications. In, in his team, he was describing that you know. Uh, if the libero's taking it, um, the confidence is there to take it. People aren't opening up to them. They're, you know, and saying, well, what if she shanks it? I can hit it, which we train, used to train young kids to do. And it's like, no, they're getting ready to attack from the back row. They're, they're, they have a role to play when, when we know who the receiver is. And we know very early, whereas, you know, most of my teams were not trained that way because I didn't know any better. Uh, and, uh, it's that kind of thing. So the constant learning is really important. And for me, um, the latest learning, uh, came this week. I am trying to get, build a sport at a title one school that where volleyball is not uh, on the boys side is not a, a very well accepted sport. You get a lot of, oh yeah, volleyball. I'm not playing that game, um, kind of stuff, but we're getting there. And I, I went to sign people up. I had an after school, you know, and I figured I might get a, you know, 10, 20 people. I got like seven or eight and uh, we're working with it. But I last minute I threw in an ancient volleyball that I had. And uh, so the guys came over, a couple of guys from the existing team and they grabbed a couple of friends and um, they were, they got them signed in. And then the, the, the eight of them went off and played with the volleyball for half an hour while I sat there hoping I'd get one or two more kids. And it was like, yeah, you got to let them play. You got to, you know, my, a better recruiting tool would be for me to go there at lunchtime with a volleyball and hand it to somebody and say, play, give it to me when we're done. Um, so another learning. Yeah, Mickle mentioned uh, his entry to, to CAP was very similar to mine. Um, you know, Tom Tate, who started both the men's and women's programs at Penn State. What a legacy. Stu Sherman from Graceland College, a bunch of great uh, camps and clinics there for coaches. And then uh, I just met uh, or, or spoke with Steph Schluter, who was the coach at Minnesota at the time that I first took cap. And then where I really got my eyes opened, it was, it was that weekend uh, or maybe it was shortly thereafter, uh, just like Dan, um, Kessel came in and uh, we, for about four hours, just went through the impact manual and he described how to teach impact. And I just was blown away. Uh, I mean, those, uh, I still actually have that manual. He, I didn't have one, so he gave me his. 
and I, I, I've hung on to it. Of course, we're, we've been friends for some time now. Uh, and that's, that was the reason I asked that question was, um, just because those first couple of teachers that open you up to those types of ideas are, are really memorable. Um, and I, I think that that sort of leans into to Dan's uh, question, Steve, that you were that you were putting up about um, that that toxic type of, you know, uh, dictator role of the coach and being the boss of the gym and being in control of every of every drill. Um, Sarah, talk about talk about your transition from getting out of that style into, um, you know, into a, a more player centered style. Cause I, I mean, I remember exactly what happened. I was crying to Kessel about it all the time, but what, let's hear your, uh, let's hear your transition. I think I was doing a drill for the club that I was coaching for in Virginia. And it was, um, it was probably around the cap one time. And I remember, I think I, I looked at my practice plan, which I save all of my practice plans. I have every practice plan I've done since 2013. Um, and I remember looking at my practice plan one day and just realizing how much of a waste of time this is. And um, I, I think it was a passing drill where I was like, okay, you got to pass a hundred balls back and forth. Um, again, completely like nothing I would do right now. And um it was a shift mid-season too, which was hard because I started change. It wasn't consistent with the kids. They were expecting, you know, passing back and forth a hundred times. And, you know, the kids were used to the old way of doing things and um, transitioning ended up being a lot more games. And it took a long time for, to get a buy-in from those kids um, to realize that this is, this is way better. Um even now as a coach, I saw Dan's comment about how you deal with the having players realize that toxic coaching is not okay. Um, I still battle that every day. And, and I think because I was one of those coaches, I, I, and I transitioned into much more player centered, as you said, um, I try to give the kids a different perspective of, you know, that it doesn't have to be a bunch of screaming and that you actually play better if you're, you know, if you think about all the struggles that you have and how unhappy you are on the court and court and how frustrated you are on the court with your teammates or, you know, with your coach or just with yourself, that there's a reason for that and that it doesn't have to be that way. Um, you, you're going to have frustrations with your teammates and, you know, little you know, tips here and there, but it doesn't have to be like that all the time. And that's been really tough um, to get through to kids and to parents more than less. Um, but I, I'd say that was, uh, I realized I was doing everything wrong and that I was doing a disservice to these kids. And it, it's been a transition that I, right now I feel super confident. I will fight anybody that thinks that you know, my, my methodology is dumb. I'll fight anybody. Um, but it's been, I've, it's been shaky. I've it's tested my confidence as a coach having to, uh, you know, get challenges from coaches that think that I'm not doing things the right way. 
um, because everybody coaches, you know, everybody has different philosophies and a lot of them coach the way they were coached and they think that their way is better. And I, I think I have been battling that ever since cap one. Um, and each year I'm more and more confident because I have a really good retention rate. My kids do really well. Um, and I have the, the wins and, and the, the retention to back it up, but it's, it's still transitioning. I have those moments where I'm like, man, if I just did this one drill, I bet you I can fix it. Um, and one of the things that there's this, um, video that, uh, Karch is at, uh, Karch cries at a, comp, a co ABCA uh, coaching clinic and it's on YouTube. And he said something that I, I actually put like a, a modified version on a t-shirt and it said, um, he was talking about block training and he goes, you know, you know, the, we could do this. I can bowl in easy balls all day to align, you know, to, in this drill and they're going to look good that day. Um, but we're not in the gym to get better at training. We're in the gym to get better at competing. And, you know, I remind myself that when I get, when I have those moments where I'm like, oh, maybe we just need to do some passing and work on this platform stuff. And I'm like, that's, they're going to look good right now, but next week when we do the same thing, it's not going to show up. Um, so that transition, yeah, that's been still every day, every time I'm coaching in the gym, I, I have those moments. They're just getting shorter and shorter and my confidence is getting bigger and bigger. So, you know, I, I've yeah, found... specificity still rules the day, huh? Yep. Spe specificity is, is the thing for sure. Sorry, yeah, Steve. I, you know, I find that, um, you know, I, I spent my first decade, you know, more or less coaching in, I'll call it spry light. Um, and uh, in that kind of, you know, our practices, our, you know, our, our club director said, here's the first 90 minutes of your two hour practice. The last half hour, you can play with stuff if you like. And, um, and, it was frustrating, but there were elements, you know, I look back and go, you know, we actually developed some very good setters as an example, because there was lots and lots of repetition, lots of footwork work in that. Now, could they've learned better? Well, subsequent learning from me uh, through cap training and been working with Mike for years and all that. Yes, for sure. Um, but there are times where I go, okay, I need like 10 minutes of, or maybe five minutes of them working on the basics of the skill, like just looking at, okay, here's what putting is like in golf. You know, you want to draw it back, you know, kind of square. You want that at that contact point, you want the club that you want the putter to be square to the ball. You, you know, you want some of that basics and then let them go do it. Um, and in the, in the past, I would have drilled it for a half an hour um, as opposed to say, okay, we're going to take a couple minutes. Here's what a platform looks like. Here's how you hold your hands. Here's why we turn your wrists down because they flatten your forearms. You know, your mileage may vary. My shoulder doesn't work the same as it used to. So, you know, uh, but if you put an arm out and make a platform, that's fine. Make something that makes the ball go in that direction, but give them kind of a little bit of basic, a little bit, not so much a drill, but just to understand what the skill is like and then move it into, okay, go play with it. And, um, you know, I used to do a lot of, I used to spend a lot of time um, uh, just thinking, you know, giving feedback. And, you know, Mike, Mike pushed me, uh, you know, uh, uh, certainly Kessel pushed me a little bit in the direction of summary feedback. So I try to do that, but it's still, because I like to talk, as you can tell, 
that you kind of have to say, no, it's not a good time to tell. I remember way back, there was a quiet coach where the parents all came up and said, God, we love the fact that you're giving them feedback. They don't ever get feedback. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, to Dan's point, I think it's more of the, it, it, at the club level, it's more of the parents expecting a coach to be barking at their kids. Um, at my at my current school, because I'm not, I haven't coached club in about three years now, um, I moved to Arizona and didn't make, the club scene didn't click. And a high school thing came along and it was kind of a, they were desperate. They were, they were like, oh, you know, can you come here and, you know, coach? Because our coach just left town kind of thing. But it was, it's a great challenge, but it also has changed my coaching. Because I have kids who come in and say, I got to work three days a week. Okay, come to practice on Tuesday and Thursday and we'll figure it out. Um, and, you know, that's just different from, you know, North Shore adversity, which is the not the, the spry light club. That was, you know, my adversity experience was ridiculously valuable on, on all kinds of levels. And uh, I miss Mike just about every day. Um, but, uh, you know, he taught me, he, he was always learning, always learning. You know, if I came in and said, I want to try something, he would let me try it. And he'd say, what, what are you trying to accomplish? Let's take a look at it, see what, how it works or doesn't work. And, um, that's been really valuable. Yeah. The, the, the king of specificity was Carl McGowan. He's, he's who introduced that idea to the volleyball community and and he talked about in a podcast every practice they took a they took about five minutes like you said Steve and they just uh, they called it a tutoring session where they went back to you know here's why we're doing this here's you know here's the way that I believe this should be done you're welcome to experiment you know do your own damn study I always used to say but Here's, here's the way I would like you to do this. We're going to spend just five minutes on it. And we adopted that. I mean, I'm 100% game-like. Every drill that I do starts with a serve. But we adopted that, that, that five minutes a day to just review something. And, and mostly for me, it was, it was the why. And I think that gets back to Dan's question, you know, that he's fighting uh, and, and we've had the same thing. I mean, our, our kids at, our kids at Green Bay are really smart. Uh, they have a cumulative GPA of like 3.85. They're, they're just bright, bright kids. And, and they sometimes, you know, the, the first time I came in, I had to give a, a talk about why we're not going to punish you. We're not going to have punishments. Uh, they had a bad match a couple weeks ago and they're like, well, we're going to go and run. I'm like what's, what's that going to help us if we go and run or if we do a coach on one, how is that really going to help? Uh, and I think, um, I think the last thing about that is we used to talk about, you know, Sarah mentioned that she was in a club where she was only practicing, you know, four hours a week. I had, I had my kids three and a half. So it was all about our precious gym time. Our, our time at green Bay. Now we can have the gym as much as we want. We could, um, we can have the gym 20 hours a week, but we don't. And, and the reason now that we need to be efficient there is because of overuse. We are only going to practice 
you know, 90 minutes or two hours and it's going to be three times a week, uh, maybe four. Um, and so, so our training has to be very efficient and specific because we're only, we're limiting ourselves due to that, due to that overuse. So I, I think that's a common theme that you're finding, um, amongst the three of us. I don't know. What, what do you think about those couple things, Sarah? I think the burnout part of kids is, I actually, I have a girl that, um, played, played club basketball. So I don't think it's just volleyball specific, but it's the club world in general and having kids playing at these elite levels, you know, starting off very young and focusing on one sport. And I have this girl that just, um, she's in the eighth grade and started doing lessons with me about about a month ago. And she's doing it because she got burnt out from basketball. She's 13 years old, already burnt out, like tired of it. And that's something that I see a lot with so the high school age kids that I coach is they're tired. They're playing year round volleyball and they're, you know, they are getting that, you know, we got to do this and we have to do all this strength training and we have to, you know, be in the gym all the time and we have to be practicing all the time and, you know, just constantly trying to play at this high level where they forget that the sport is actually supposed to be fun. And uh, I, I, I wish I try to remind, remind them of that, that, you know, there was this one time I was talking to some, uh, a girl that was getting frustrated, uh, a, a lesson that I had. And I said, I just want you to remember that this is literally the most competitive game of keep the balloon off the floor. So remember that, remember that there is some joy into this game and that there is a fun part to it. And sometimes the balloon's going to drop. So what do you gotta do? You gotta pick it up and throw it back in, into your little drill that you have with your friends. Um, I I've seen an incredible amount of just burnout and that makes those kids very um, like Dan was saying, there's this polarizing part where they even become polarizing on the court and their parents become polarizing out in the benches and out in the bleachers talking about how their kids should be playing more or their, um, you know, their kids should be playing more. or The coach should be talking more. And um, you know, because they think that these kids need, all of this feedback to, and, and if they don't get spoken to, they're being, you know, they're, they're not getting the opportunities to play at this high level. And really we just need to give them a break. Um, they need to, you know, remember why you play the sport. And uh, I think that's uh, something that I, I, I don't know if that's a systemic problem. I don't know how, what the solution is to that. Cause that's beyond just the club volleyball world. Um, you know, I, I think I, I'm not, I'm not even sure what kid, what parents are trying to get. Are they trying to get scholarships for their kids? Like, I really wish I understood what's the, uh, the purpose about, you know, getting your kids into club and playing on a ones team and making sure they're playing on a ones team from when they're 10 all the way through, uh, through high school. Like, I, I'm not really sure what, you know, I don't think parents realize the, the struggles that their kids are going to have um, with that constant, high level screaming or, um, asking people to perform at their peak athleticism all of the time. I mean, it's exhausting. It's exhausting as a coach sometimes. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know what that solution is. Maybe they have to go to Dan Mickle's, um, mental mindful, uh, program. <laughs> there, yeah, there was my plug. Dan. Uh... Yeah, we're going to get him. I think the biggest thing is just learning 
you know, Dan kind of alluded to it. Sarah, you mentioned it. It's, it's having to teach people why or explain why we're doing this and have some good backup. And I know that uh, more and more as, as I work with coaches and making changes, I'm, I'm, I think a long time about if, if I'm going to make this suggestion to them that they make this change, I have to have two, three, four pieces of evidence and some data all ready to go to, you know, here's why um, this is, this is why it'd be better. Or this is why I might ask you to experiment with doing this thing instead. And it's uh, the, 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 I think the hardest part of what we're talking about and, and Sarah, you mentioned it. I think Steve, you kind of did too, the, in those drills, you can see an improvement quickly. And when you play, you don't see the improvements. It's really hard to see the improvements, but those drilled improvements don't often stick. Um, you know, it's, it's the in play stuff that sticks and, and that's, that research is 35 years old. You can go back to the original papers on that and they've never proven any different. Um, that, you know, we, our retention is just better in the, in the specific moment. But, um, Steve, we're right up against the hour. Are you, you have anything else for Sarah or, uh, any closing comments? You know, I think, well, one, I could keep I talking wanna, for hours, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Well, you and me both. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I think, I think for this, uh, first of all, thanks to anybody who's, well, thanks for, to Dan for joining in the chat. Um, we're still working out how to make this all work. I do think while we were on there, I think I figured out why some of the problems occurred, but I don't have them all kind of figured out. So, um, but when you're playing with a, it's like uh, you got this powerful plat, powerful set of tools that sometimes it takes a little learning curve. Um, you know, I I think that um, it. You know, it's funny. You you run into different coaches. Um, I, I've uh, you you mentioned it, BJ. How to be an assistant? Um, if you have the chance to be an assistant, try it. It's not easy. Um, and no. uh, you know, and it really. Uh, but it's a good experience in figuring out. Um, one, it helps you figure out what you think about how to coach. Um, but it also teaches you to how to be in service to somebody else. And, and so I think that's a good experience. And then the last thing for me, and I detected a little bit of uh, Ted Lasso early on with the goldfish, Sarah. Um, and, you know, I, I, um, I was thinking about it. Uh, I got, got up this morning. It's, it's you know, early for Sarah and me. Well, not that early, but, you know, it's the morning. Uh, and I was headed out to McDonald's to grip, grab some breakfast and, you know, driving back and forth and realized you know, I had been so caught up in the last few weeks with all, you know, kind of negative things. And I, I was like, I got to be thinking of more like Danny Rojas. You know, I mean, I want to how do we bring mucho, mucho joy to the game or to what we do? And, uh, you know, Sarah, you were saying you're getting ready for the club season and kind of not, you know, find the joy. I don't know how you do that, but I'm going to try to do that for the rest of today and see how that works out. But I think when the kids find the joy it's like when they were when they were playing with the ball the other day a couple new guys joined in and i'm watching them going yeah she, you know that kid's got some skills for a kid who hasn't played before you know and i you know it's kind of like oh yeah and 
The last thing associated with that is I try to tell my kids, we're looking for the gifts in the room. I'm borrowing this from another group I belong to, but every kid brings gifts. So how do you tap into those gifts and how do you get them to realize they have those gifts? And, um, you know, uh, I'd like to say I do that well, I don't, uh, but it's something I think about when I'm working with my kids. I love that. Love that. That was a good one. Get what, uh, trying to find the gifts of the kids. I like that. I'm going to steal that one. Yep. Yeah, it's a cool thought. What about you, BJ? Sarah, finishing up? It's going to be okay. The club season's going to go fine. Um, I, <laughs> this past summer, I've brought in, um, I've been doing summer camps since June, and then I did fall camps, and I have found my my selfish goal was to try to get kids started much younger than we do out in Arizona. I, cause I find in the Midwest, we start much younger. Um, and so, you know, I found some eighth graders and 10th graders or not, sorry, sorry, eight year olds and 10 year olds that want to play club volleyball. And that has brought me so much joy. I think I'm bringing over like six 10 year olds, uh, to tryouts. And that's the part I keep reminding myself is like, these kids, they're 10 years old. They're ready to play club. It's a new landscape. It's a new day. And, you know, the, we're still going to have parents. That's not going to change. We're going to have parents that are going to argue or disagree with us. But um, I, I focus on just making sure that I make the most enjoyable season for them. So I just got to get into a different – it's a different mindset when you're running camps and stuff on your own. Um, and then going into uh, into the club world. So thinking about the the gifts that I'm bringing over to the club with all these kids, and um, you know, it, I'm I'm ready. Just I'm not ready for my weeknights to go away, but I'm ready. Gotcha. It's gonna be a great year. <laughs> the baggy uh, that's the baggy spandex and loose knee pads age, right? Tens. Oh yeah. Yeah, I knew my boys were progressing when last year they all asked me to get new uniforms with sleeves and they all came back the other day and they were like, can we get can we get uh, tank tops? And I'm like, no, we just spent our budget on, you know, and they were like, oh, man, like, look, we get new uniforms every four years. That's what you're living with next time around, you know, <laughs> said, I know you've grown a year, you've hit the weight room and you look great now and you want to show off, but sorry, you're wearing sleeves. <laughs> Way it goes. Yeah. That was well, a great you. discussion, you guys. Thanks. Yeah, we're going to keep doing this and uh, I'm going to get better at it as we go along, but uh, thanks for joining us, Sarah. And we do need to connect at some point in time since we're not that far apart. Yep. Uh, I, I'm up there like every weekend, you know, starting in club season. So we'll have to, we'll have to touch base. Okay. Terrific. Well, thanks to um, anyone who's viewing this and we'll be back uh, hopefully next week. BJ, uh, we'll talk about scheduling, but we'll see you later. Yep. See you guys. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Sarah for joining us. You can catch other episodes on our Talking Volleyball podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Google, or watch us live or recorded on the Coach Steve YouTube channel.